Geek Shock. Geek Shock. Give me the, the hot belch. Oh, it's always hot in here. I'm always sweating my nuts off. Jeff's the only one that's like, I'm cold. I'm, everyone else in this place is damned hot. You should get him an old lady sweater. <laughs> yeah, layer, layer up, dude. Here now you go, Grandma. And yeah, now we got the AC cooking, and everyone's happy. I'm happy. Same. I'm everyone. Same. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome to the Warhammer Podcast. Yes. I'm your host, Cast Lord Matt. I, I can deal with that name. I can definitely deal with that name. You brought your towel army. I did. I'm very happy. I, uh, I did a little show and tell. Your little stormtrooper painted army. Yeah. Thousand points. It's going to be good. Todd's not going to know what's going to hit him. I know it's going to hit me. A towel. Stealthed towel. Okay. All right, aside uh, from that, I really don't know what's going to Maybe hit I, I should have kept the cards closer to my chest. I can tell you right now, <laughs> our first battle is going to be me saying, wait, you can do that? A whole lot. A whole lot. Maybe. Maybe. I have a second army if you want to play 2K. All I'm hearing is sports, 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 <laughs> sports, sports. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 431. I am Master Torgo. Commander K. Maple Leaf Max. And we're here to talk week in Geek. Yeah, no Jeff. No Jeff. So this is our time if we ever want to talk tech, all right? So... We can talk tech without it worrying about getting into deep minutia. So you want to talk 4K televisions, 8K televisions, this is our time, guys. Our time. Yeah, but we don't know anything about that's 4K good, television. That's a good point. We, we really can't discuss <laughs> Well, it's better that. than the 3K? <laughs> right? You, you got to say that with more confidence. Oh. If you want to sound like Jeff, you got to say it with a lot more confidence. Oh, okay. The 1080Ps and the 720... <laughs> Whatever, I don't know. 1080p's. <laughs> yep, that's like, you know, during the Super Bowl. I'm saving my money up for a TV Hammer 40K. Ooh. I like it. They're going to be really expensive. Like Made it. by Tau. <laughs> the 8 by Tau. Thank you. That rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, what geeky things you do this week? I dusted off. I found my army. You found the army. You, that's an actual Warhammer did. Games Workshop case. Yes. Foamed up. It, it with, had about two inches of dust on it. Of course it did. That's what, uh, so. Whenever you can ex- expect that I found my Warhammer, the next sentence was going to be underneath the dust. That's They go together. Yeah. And I thought about uh, getting like a piece of plywood and making my own terrain and everything so we don't have to go to... The nerd funk environments. <laughs> so we don't have to patronize our local gaming store. Well, I will say they have awesome terrain. I know, but I'm going to try my hand. Or maybe a commission Andy, so I'll have to wait like three oh, years. Geez, oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah that's, no, uh, no, no. I'll love to Andy, but no. <laughs> <laughs> but I will have a personal board for us to play in my house. Rock and roll, so yes. so our early games won't have to be under the watchful eye of those who yes. know how to play. Like like snickering, like, <laughs> like <laughs> hey Noidburst, did you see what this guy just did? <laughs> and we'd be like, what the fuck are they laughing at? He didn't even use phase bolter this round. His melter gun, he had an extra shot. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to hear yes. any of that. Sports, 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 sports. <laughs> it's tabletop gaming, dude. You should like it. It's like D&D, but better. You play a... 
Star Wars Imperial Assault. It's exactly the same. It's the same thing, except yeah, I know. a little bit different. Larger. Yeah. More expensive. And mm-hmm. I have a second army, so you can join if you like. Kind of dumb. Like a three-way battle? Yes. Yeah, the two of you gang up on no. me. I've played in games with, uh, with Todd. By the way, he doesn't honor agreements. Don't make agreements with him. What? What are you talking about? We played that, that financial game, You, Barry, and Me. Oh, a corporate pursuit. Yeah. Yes. And and you made that, okay, look, for the rest of the game, I will not collect rent for you if you sell me blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay. Three rounds later, yeah, Curson, I'm going to need rent for that. <laughs> and I'm like, what happened to the agreement? Well, I'm changing the agreement. I was waiting for the prey. I don't change it further. <laughs> now, if you don't know it, and you probably don't, corporate pursuit is like Monopoly, but much more evil. Yeah. Because when right you, up your alley. You, oh yeah, when you land yeah. on the spaces, because it's you're buying stocks basically in companies. So you, you buy percentages of companies, so you can land on a spot owned by multiple people, and pay rent to everybody on the board. It's mean. It's well, a mean. What game. was Vlard doing in this? Like he's laughing, splurg laugh. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. We we only played it that one time. Yep, oh, that was it. Okay. After that, after that revoking of the agreement, I'm like, ah, forget. And it's also it's it's got the the big flaw of like monopoly type games. It's yeah. a, it's a participant eliminator. So somebody gets knocked out and then is sitting on their ass, you know, waiting while the other two fight it out. That's life, Kirsten. Buying up percentages of companies. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not diplomacy, friend breaking, but it's. Then I'll buy the game of life and play it. True. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. I heard that the guy who, or was it the woman who originally made Monopoly specifically made it to teach the evils of capitalism? Yes, like that's how, exactly how it. shitty it is, and yeah. You you are supposed to learn that lesson when you are sitting there out of the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, I would it'd be fucking hilarious if they did a lifetime, you know, people who favor socialism over people who are anarcho-capitalists. Interesting. And find out which ones won Monopoly more often and which ones <laughs> were always losing. And you probably see a correlation. That would be a hard thing to measure. Well, I, I, I always lost Monopoly. Yeah, well, you're Canadian. In a socialist <laughs> environment. So anyone here like capitalism? Because we could do that. We can do that test right now. Well, are you unbridled. saying you want to play some corporate pursuit with no, me? No, I'm just saying we could we could settle that right now. I have it uh, in the closet out here. There you, know, you go. Collecting next, two inches of dust. Yeah, yeah. By the Warhammer figures. <laughs> <laughs> next year, Babylon 5 station that I want. What? What? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, anything else I did? No, that's it. That's no, it. That's it. That you got your, that's you dusted off your Warhammer. Oh, and I picked up my Codex. You, the, the Tau Empire Codex. Yeah. Uh, explain the Tau to me one more time. What, what, why are they fighting? They are a new upstart empire. Uh, they evolved rather quickly from fish, I believe. Oh, the now fish, I'm really... Fish, fish I people. believe. You have an yeah. old army based on this you don't even know? Dude, it's like 20, 20 years of cobwebs in there. I haven't played in like 15 years. Wow. Wait, more than that. And um, they evolved played? They evolved and developed real quickly, and they adopted the greater good mentality, which is why I like them. Ah. 
it's my Canadian, uh, you know, I, I get it. It's like, I get it. I know where you're going there. And they're expanding in all directions. And the Imperium is like, no. Because we got the bombs. Hail the yes, Emperor. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You, yeah. you don't have a, a dead body to worship. So we're yes. not interested. Yes. And funny story. And I do remember this. The Imperium actually slated them to be exterminatus, which is destroy their home planet. Um when they were not even a space race, and the fleet that got sent to destroy them got lost in a warp storm. And because ah. of the 41st millennium uh, bureaucracy, they were like, eh, whatever. You got more th- orcs to worry about yes. right now, chaos yes. issues. So they could have solved the Tau way back when, when they decided to kill them all because they're not like us. Because that's the Imperium. I, I, I will say, yeah. a, a good chunk of what interests me in this game is that damned backstory yes. of just dark, horrible shit throughout all the cosmos. Yeah. I, I'm glad we. Li- I grew up in the 80s because I want to deal with this. <laughs> I want to deal with this this world in the real time. But I will put it on the tabletop and pretend it's real for an hour or two. That's the glory. <clears throat> what else you do, gentlemen? Speaking of tabletop. Yes. We had our first. Oh, yes. We had our first <laughs> game. This was fun too. We had our first D and D game without Andy, uh, uh, with a major meh rum cake. And, that's why uh, it was fun. It was without Andy and, oh. uh, <laughs> and Mrs. Oh. Maple Leaf, and Matt. And uh, I just wanted to do something kind of Gonzo. So we're still doing D and D Fifth Edition, but I to to get my brain in it. I watched all, my entire Thundar set. Oh, and I watched the Den and Tarna sections of heavy metal to <laughs> get into the, the weird. And did, did you feel that I got in, yeah. in close to that at all? Yeah. Okay. So it, character creation, when you're making fifth-level characters in the slim-down, trim-down fifth edition, still took a couple hours. Um, it was pretty funny. But we, uh, so it was a brand-new characters? You're, yep, okay. brand-new characters. They're at fifth level. It's the four of them. And I was just going to play this gonzo type of heavy metalish place. And the first, the first place they were in was the Citadel, head by the sorcerer tyrant Shumagor. Oh, and, and Matt, you know, I'm sitting here like, you know, digesting in my head what we're going to do. And Matt's like, I'm going to be a gladiator. I want to be a pole arm gladiator. And he's just going on and talking about it. <laughs> and so, and then, um, Stephanie, Major Mess Why? She's rum like, cake. Rum yeah, cake. rum cake. Yeah. Rum cake was like, mm, I guess I'll be a barbarian. Oh wow! <laughs> and 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 I ins- my brain instantly went. I know how this one's gonna start. <laughs> and so we spent the time setting it up, and then we uh, I had I uh, had um, uh, uh, Lewis and Paulette characters watching the arena and I'm pumping up Matt talking about how the the audience is getting pumped up for his character Karn Circus Commodus oh, and he's going to go out and name. kick some ass and I'm like he's got 30 kills and I look at Matt and Matt shakes his head and I'm like yeah he's just he's lying to pump you up for the audience <laughs> and we're all right and then I turn to Stephanie and I go Stephanie you're in the beast cages because she has some animal abilities taking care of animals. And I was saying, okay, you're going to be a beast master taking care of beasts in the arena. 
And she's like, okay. And then I go, and and the the keeper who's in charge of that uh, that area runs up to you with an axe and a shield and goes, you fight, don't you get out there. And so we squared off the barbarian with Matt's fighter. And that's how oh. we opened up uh, this uh, little mini campaign. You opened up with PvP? Yes. Yep. <laughs> It was great. One of my main things with this guy is his performance. So oh, I- God. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. Dude, you saw some role playing. <laughs> Matt just dove headfirst into this character. I'm yes. really excited right now. So my charisma is low. On <laughs> purpose, better, I'm a fighter. I'm a fighter. So dex, con, and strength, all high. My char- charisma is second lowest, but I want performance and intimidation. So I picked a bagpipe. So I play my bagpipe as I first. So the door opens with the gate opens. (laughs) The gate opens. Here comes Corn Colados. You know, coming out, coming out, and halfway across, I do the whole like arms um, open towards the crowd. Like I'm I'm playing it up, playing it up, and Lewis's major mass character is shaking his head while he's like. Um, scrolling or he's, scribing. He's a monk uh, working as a scribe, so he's taking down the uh, the game's information, and he's just sitting there shaking his head like this is all such bullshit. And I see that my character sees that, and I walk over and I do a friggin' uh, glider. Are you not entertained? Ah, yes. like straight at him. And I go back to my playing <laughs> it up, like, playing nope. it up, <laughs> playing it up. And oh, then the bagpipes. I almost shit myself when he said that. When you first, because I've seen, I've seen like some really funky. Um, th- th- there are there are some places like in the Middle East where they have bagpipes that are made out of goat skins. So you got this leathery goat skin shaped bag filled with twigs and sticks that the that they're playing on. You know, I wasn't thinking of the fancy shit you see in the St. Paddy's parade. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just thinking of that and his character just marching out. And I almost shit myself. It was just, <laughs> what a fucking image. Just absolutely great. Glorious. And I got one good swing on her. Yeah, he won or, initiative. I'm like, roll initiative. Yeah, and they're initiative. like, seriously, you're doing this? Yeah. And he crits. For 30. So she has 60 hit points. I have 58. Half. He yeah. cuts so, her in half. So already, so I, I get done, and I have a glaive. So I have uh, first attack as a swipe, like with the with the blade part. And I have an option to do the um, the butt of the weapon, okay. like a D4. I, I, I play it up the crowd. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that. I got a good hit. So I start like not even paying attention to Steph's character as I'm going around in the crowd. Like, yeah, you like that? Another one. Crowd's yeah. going crazy. 31 kills. <laughs> 31 <laughs> kills. And I'm like pointing to the, like with one, like making it like a one more kill type, <laughs> type gesture. <laughs> then I proceed to get my ass kicked because she's a barbarian. Oh, uh, yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah, she's it's... like, okay, I'm going to rage. And Matt's like, oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I second win to, uh, so she hit me for 14. Her, uh, her attack after my 30, 14, I'm like, I got this. Second wind, heal it all. So I'm like, all of it, back up to max. So I do like a Kylo Ren where he hits his wound type, you know, like, <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, Paulette's looking at him like he's insane. <laughs> and then I can't hit her because her AC is 19. So I'm rolling like a six, <laughs> yeah, a five, a six. Stephanie's character was built by Lewis. Oh, jeez. So- <laughs> yeah. So she's hard to hit. And when you do hit her, it's not really going to matter. Yeah, 
And and sh- and it was funny. He won initiative almost every single round because we did it round by round. I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. go ahead and roll it every round. Ro- did it round by round. He won almost every time. He's whiffing. He's whiffing. He'll hit for eight points. He's whiffing. He's whiffing. And she's just like, boom, boom, <laughs> boom. I rolled really high for my hit points, so I could, I could take a, I could take a beating. But yeah, he did. He took those four d10s and he's. Flatted them down, and it was like nine, nine, ten. Oh. Just uh, and good, good yeah. thing too. That yes. gave him an extra round of life against Stephanie. And for all you D and D guys out there, I'm a fighter. So yeah, a, a fifth edition champion, which is a very simple rule set. It's really basic. I always recommend it. If you don't want any mess or fuss, you just want to go out there and bash shit, champion. And uh, it, yeah. Yeah, it was, God, it was fun. It was really fun. We just got that started, so we'll see how we go. We got the eh, one, two, three weeks of playing in before Andy returns, so we'll see. I love this. Yeah. And the good thing about those characters is sometimes Andy can't make it for game night, so we can just go right back into those guys. Yeah. So. I mean, now that, you know, your Sundays are really free. They're always free. I didn't work Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> By the way, for you guys, uh, I lost my job today. So, yeah, there he is. Yeah, there no, it is. Another. Uh, but as you know, I worked. It's in- kind of the Geek Shock way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so should have warned you about that before you joined us. So who's next? You or J- Jeff? <laughs> one of one of the two of us. Oh, I'm gonna damn. I'm gonna say Jeff, but I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I worked in timeshare, as you guys know. So I am. I save what little soul I have left. Thank goodness. Now that I'm you didn't have much left. There you go. Uh, a little and spark. I sh- and I should have felt sad because you know paycheck whatever. But honestly, I was I was kind of happy. I, I, with that job, I get it. Yeah, I definitely so, get it. Unreasonable sales quotas, things like that. Well, so. I you know um, when I lost mine, it was weird because I didn't. I wasn't ready to leave yet. I, wa- I wanted to leave on my terms. I was ready to leave. So I had this weird emotion like flowing around inside me because part of me is all like, oh, thank God. But another part of me is like, not now. Yeah, not-, not now. Not this way. Same way. God damn it. But it, it's, it's, and it's a oh. weird, it's a weird, weird feeling. Uh, my major advice to you is, of course, uh, uh, investigate medical as soon as possible and don't don't allow too big a lapse in your insurance because fate has a way of making you regret it fate really does i just yeah yeah the fate core r- rule system is yeah. not as strong <laughs> as the d20 just saying it's fate hardcore well i got already already got some plans so i don't, I don't plan See, i don't plan to be out of a job much yeah. for much okay longer, good. So. yeah we, we canadians he's resourceful Really, I thought the government just took care of them. Wow. That's the, <laughs> well, that's the resource that they're. Well, that's what all my capitalist friends tell me. <laughs> well, uh, me being a bartender in Las Vegas and dealing with drunk Irish and uh, people tearing up uh, basketball betting tickets all weekends, I, oh. I didn't have a lot of time. Fuck Virginia. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. What do you mean, Rhode Island? Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Sports, 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 sports. Yeah. Some of you got the Rhode Island thing. I appreciate it. <laughs> but I did find a little time to do a little bit here and there. Uh, first off, I, I want to do a major shout out to a brand new published author. As- How many of those books did you read? 
I, I did a little bit, three. The author's <laughs> name is Addie Ambler, A-M-B-L-E-R, first name Addie, A-D-D-Y, also known as Professor Addie. Uh, for those of you that follow his Twitch channel, he's been a shock monkey in his scoop for ages. Uh, he published his first work this last week. And uh, I, when I found out about it, I went straight to Amazon, downloaded it. It's called The Leprechaun, the last Dayshire series that he has uh, started. It's, uh, oh, hi, hi, camera picture. And it's short, 99 cents. Highly recommend it. It's probably about 50 pages long. But it's a all-wheat-no-chaff story. Uh, fun characters with with mysteries lingering to uh, continue through the series. I would love to see more of these stories put together into kind of like a compilation. I have a feeling that's kind of what he has in mind. But uh, really good first work. He, he found some great editors, and so it flows really nice. Uh, it's, it is a first work, so there, there are a couple rough edges to it, but not... A lot. We read Larry Correa's The Monster Hunter for the book club last month. And I would say it's this is at least as polished as that, if not a little more. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's it's really impressive. Very cool. So if you got uh, 99 cents to spare, go on to uh, Time to Amazon. talk, man. 99 cents. Yeah. 99 cents. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you're not, you're not Matt. <laughs> the Last Day Shire from Addie Ambler. Uh, also, I, I went on his uh, Twitch channel earlier this week. It's a rare time that I ever at home when he's doing his Twitch. And I went on there, and he was playing Jackbox uh, 5, the T-shirt drawing game, on his website. And so the listeners, or watchers, I guess you should say, are able to participate. So I actually joined in on one of those games. It was a lot of fun. So, man, you know what? That Jackbox stuff is built yeah. for Twitch. Because yeah. you can actually interact with your audience with that stuff instead of just uh, watch me play. So, Did you use your Master Torgo name? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So he was like, oh my god, I, kn I know this guy. Yeah, it, was, it kind of <laughs> went exactly like that. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Oh. So it was, it was great to play with you all, uh, those who were on. Let's see, what else did I do? Oh, I found a little time to go back, and I don't replay games much, especially when I've beaten them. But this week I did Saints Row Four. It's a lot of fun. I remember you 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 liked that. You talked about that often. The Saints Row series, if you're unfamiliar, it first started off as a exact clone, nearly exact clone to the Grand Theft Auto series. Uh, the second one ramped it up a little more, added its own features, and brought the crazy up a little bit. Turns out the crazy is what the fans loved. So part three went completely off the rails. They yeah. got Burt Reynolds to play the mayor of the city as Burt Reynolds, the mayor of the city. And they had things like you had to drive through the city without upsetting the tiger that is sitting next to you in the car too much so it doesn't scratch you too badly. <laughs> Nuts stuff like that. So for the fourth and unfortunately final one, they said, okay, all bets off. We're going into crazy town now. You begin as the president of the United States because the people of America decided you should be president. When this game was made, that was a crazy idea. Now that's just kind of normal. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then shortly after you begin, aliens invade the world and you are sucked into a matrix kind of artificial creation that the aliens have made to cow you. 
dun, 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 but you have dun, 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 friends on the outside that can hack into it and they end up giving you superpowers and again it's completely nuts oh keith david the actor is playing keith david your vice president and yeah it's it's just nuts it's it's irreverence it's foul if it if it tells you the kind of humor and the in jokey humor this thing has, when you are selecting your voice for the character that you create, as hideous as you want them to do, and let's face it, I always create some hideous chud. Mm-hmm. You can select one of three male voices, one of three female voices, or Nolan North. And Nolan North is the preeminent voice actor for video games. He's the guy that voices Nathan Drake in the Drake series on PS4, that uh, Indiana Jones knockoff. He, he did, is, he he did is, a lot in um, Knights of the Old Republic, too. Yes. Yeah. yeah he, he this man that. has worked more in video game voiceover than about anybody else. And when you voice Nolan North as your character, your character becomes Nolan North in the game, basically. He references himself as that I am Nolan North. That's how in-jokey this whole thing is. And the game also has the best use of You Got the Touch from the Transformers movie soundtrack. And if I remember right, the game ends with a gigantic uh, dance number. (laughs) Bollywood, nice. But when I played it, I never bought any of the uh, uh, expansions. Okay. And there were some significant ones. In fact, there was one I think called Get Out of Hell which was a standalone expansion, so I haven't even gotten into that yet. So I'm revisiting with all this extra stuff in there. Enter the Dominatrix, I think, was one of the name of the expansions. But I think the one thing that explains what this game is... uh, Talk for a second. I have to grab something off the Geek Shock shelves here. Okay. All right. So, yeah. um, (laughs) You're right. It is, and then, (laughs) uh, you know, so because something... Yeah, I know, right? Well, uh, yeah. it's a good game. It did happen. I agree with him. Yeah. Um, but sure. you know, what do Saints. you think? Uh, well, I like Saints. My dad was Catholic. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I like I like the row, too. My my dad was on death row. Oh, yeah. I mean, what? what? <laughs> no. It's oh, when, oh, you mean the, the, the record company? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, you're back. Hey. I'm back. All right. <laughs> when I bought Saints Row 4. I bought the ex- the special edition that came with the statues and the extra stuff. Uh, one of the things it came with was a replica of one of the in-gun game, uh, in-game, excuse me, in-game guns. <laughs> Good game. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Fully automatic, semi-automatic you, rifle. You, you are looking. Chris is taking a picture of it right now. This is the dubstep gun. Of course it is. It is. And so when you pull the trigger. (laughs) And when you play the game, this is the sound, of course, that the gun makes in the game as well. Yeah, it's it's super stupid. And that's the game. So I, I wanted something that was just, I knew, fun. It's an open world game. Do whatever you want and be crazy and stupid. This thing will go. Yeah. Oh, you did it now. I think I pressed it again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> it also has a laser pointer at the end of it, so it's a lot of fun to play nice with Nice work, Paul slash Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been playing that. Although I do want to make one more video game recommendation of one I tried out. For the old school gamers out there, for the ones out there who said, man, I wish they made another Metroid. Uh, they did. 
It's called Axiom Verge. Okay. All right. I think it's on all game systems, including 360 and uh, probably nothing earlier than that. But anything post the 360, it's there. And it is another Metroid. The people who made this said, we're making Metroid again. I love how they get away with that. Like, So they just tweak well, they, something a little bit? they just create and... their own characters. I mean, the term Metroidvania has been around because Castlevania became a Metroid-like after time. So it's one of those platforming games that opens itself up as you gain more abilities and weapons. That's kind of what Metroid is. Okay. And so it's exactly that. And it has the old school NES game design. It's all pixelated. And yeah, it's it's a love letter to Metroid. It's called Axiom Verge. You can find it for cheap. No, oh, the hat went forward. Uh-oh, he means business. Yeah. Yeah. The thug life doesn't uh, doesn't work with headrests. That's a good point. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's the backwards hat and just laying back has has issues. Yeah, no, it just it just just doesn't work. <laughs> Anything else you do, gentlemen? Uh, you know what? What did I? Did I? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we just. We had that one game, I, and what did I do on the weekend? Otherwise, it was night. just working, just working. All right. Well, yeah. well, it's not a Salisbury steak unless you get the peas and carrots. News you don't give a shit about. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I was feeling naked. Why did you do that? You had one week without it. Oh. Well, I just wanted to honor his memory. You it's don't need to memory. honor him. Don't honor him. His memory. <laughs> Do not honor him. <laughs> you see that pic he sent us? The, uh, which? He's by a poolside drinking margaritas. Mojitos. Yeah. Mojitos, margaritas. He ain't yeah. coming back. Palm trees in the background by the pool. Uh, and he ain't coming back. Yeah, that's a picture he sends us. <laughs> yeah, I know. After I claim he's living in a horse cart. He's like, he's like, oh, I like South Beach. Send pictures of South Beach. <laughs> ah, Jesus. A new installment in the Leprechaun franchise. Oh, really? Really? Is coming to sci-fi with Leprechaun Returns, which is set to hit the network in March 2019. The film picks up 25 years after the events of the 1993 original which found a maniacal leprechaun doing whatever it takes to track down his stolen pot of gold. The leprechaun menaced Tory Redding, who was played by Jennifer Aniston, until he was finally defeated by shooting a four-leaf clover down his throat. I, I hate I hate the leprechaun series so, so much. So do I. I. I saw that in the movie theater, and oh, I was just so disappointed. Didn't he make it to space one time, too? Yeah. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, they yeah. they they all uh, when they have no plans left, eventually they go to they space. all make it to space. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. Leprechaun returns, <clears throat> finds the Leprechaun revived in the modern day when a group of sorority girls unwittingly awaken him. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Group of sorority girls. Uh, okay, Michael. See yeah, it suddenly. Let's see. <laughs> while tearing down a cabin to build a new sorority house. Oh. Oh wow. Uh, the new sequel is written by Suzanne Kiley. She is a writer on Ash vs. Evil Dead. Mm. Might be good then. And, and, and directed uh, by Steven Kostansky, who directed The Void, which was actually a pretty decent horror film. Wow, that's an interesting last name. Uh, Lyndon Porco will be playing the Leprechaun, replacing longtime star Warwick Davis. So this is the first time 
the Leprechaun will be played by somebody different. Warwick uh, Davis is still alive, right? Yes. He's probably like, fuck no. <laughs> Let it die. <laughs> yeah, I can see that uh, being a, no more. Oh. Uh, the film will also bring back co-star from the original film, Mark Holton, who will reprise his role as Ozzy, the group's goofball friend, almost killed by the Leprechaun all those years ago. No. No, 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 no. no. Oh, well. This day is still happening. Yep. Red light. Aww. Weekend Geek! I was going to say green light! light, (laughs) (laughs) You goddamn contrarian. Weekend Geek! Yay! (laughs) Of course, the first one is just absolutely horrendous news. Toys R Us. Toys R Us. (gasps) will be closing all 800 of its American locations, reports the New York Times. While not entirely unexpected, that Toys R Us filed for bankruptcy back in September, the move will unfortunately affect over 30,000 jobs. In an audio recording obtained by Associated Press, CEO David Brandon can, uh, can reportedly be heard telling employees that the company will liquidate all U.S. stores and most likely those in Australia, France, Poland, Portugal, and Spain. The ones in the UK are already in the process of closing up shop. Those still remaining in Canada, Central Europe, and Asia are to be bundled together and shopped around to potential buyers. So Canada, potentially. Look at that. For the greater good. (laughs) Uh, What's causing one of the most recognizable franchises to close its doors for good? Simple. Amazon and mobile games, brick-and-mortar stores like Toys R Us just can't compete with the convenience and efficiency of online shopping. At who, least, who said that? Who said that? At least that's the byline. Yeah. That, that's kind of what... Yeah, because I'm here and... Yeah. I'm First of all, yes. the global toy industry is not in decline. It's been growing consistently over the past five years. Hence Marvel movies, Star Wars mm-hmm. movies, Transformer movies. Now, physical toys may be a bit less popular in the United States than they once were, but internationally, particularly Asian and Latin American countries, toy business is booming. The analysis fails to account for how Toys R Us wound up so deeply in debt in the first place. That's what I'm hearing mm-hmm. right here. Yeah. In 2005, as the company's stock was losing value due to mediocre sales, management decided to sell the company in a leveraged buyout to a trio of buyers, real estate investment trust for Natal Realty Trust, and private equity firms KKR and Bain Capital. The three investment... <laughs> no, you're going to close the doors! <laughs> <laughs> I have bought your toys. Now I shall sell your toy store. We will close this Toys R Us gate. It's yours. Take it. <laughs> I, 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 I never made the connection. I really appreciate that you did. It's going to help me from getting so angry. <laughs> the three investment companies financed 80% of the purchase of Toys R Us. So while the company sold for $6.6 billion, the trio only contributed $1.3 billion. The rest was loaned to them. As a part of the purchase agreement, the companies also agreed to take responsibility for all of Toys R Us's long-term debt obligations, which at the time totaled $2.3 billion. Once Toys R Us was taken over, however, the debt of Fornado Realty, KKR, and Bain used to acquire it, was pushed back onto the company, skyrocketing, uh, skyrocketing is right, skyrocketing (laughs) 
its debt obligations to $7.6 billion immediately. Toys R Us has been paying $400 million a year to service these debts. This money could have been used to shore up the company, instead went off to paying off creditors. Last year, the company reported a loss of $29 million. So if it weren't for these debt payments, Toys R Us would have run a substantial profit. Before the buyout, Toys R Us had $2.2 billion in cash reserves. As of 2017, that number was down to $301 million in cash reserves. Private equity firms uh, typically take advisory fees from companies they own. Uh, struggling Toys R Us and its masters agreed to reduce those fees in 2015. And the buyout barons like uh, take transaction fees when their charges do deals or set up new arrangements. The largest single item in this case was an $81, uh, $81 million fee. Was, yeah. Wow. I was going to say. Well, that, that's what I would have charged. $81. <laughs> $81 I, I'm, I'm a kind yeah. guy. Wow. Oh. Was an $81 million fee when the original purchase closed in 2005. So they bought the company and immediately charged the company $81 million for the sale. Add up advisory transaction fees over the years, as reported in Toys R Us's financial filings, the total paid out to the company's owners come to about $360 million. Uh, Vornado, as owner of some of the retail stores, received $50 million in rent paid to them from their own stores. The toy purveyor was also a customer of Bain-owned packaging company, Vestive, and warranty provider Trade Square in 2015 and 2016. Total it all up, the investment companies made $600 million over 12 years for killing a toy store. I love it. What a fucking racket. What a fucking racket. When I I used to work at the Hard Rock, there was a time when Hard Rock was getting sniffed out by investment companies, and we were scared shitless when that happened. Uh, we They put the company up for auction on the New York Stock Exchange. Thankfully, we were bought by the Seminole Indian tribe in Tampa, Florida. They're the ones that own Hard Rock International now. But we were being sniffed out by companies like this that were planning on doing the same thing, taking all that money, taking a big loan on it, and then shoving it onto the company and then just charging the company's fees and fees and fees, letting the company just rot from the inside, and then selling off whatever was left, if there was anything left, just because they made money off the fees over time. Ugly. Mm-hmm. That's disgusting. <clears throat> I get you know, really pissed off at anarcho-capitalist friends on like Facebook who will sit there and say, hey, you know, uh, the companies fail. That's, the, that's market forces and blah, blah, blah. And it's like... It was struggling, but it was still managing to work. It, it was paying for it. Was, it, over, it tripled its debt because this thing was bought. And because of that, $400 million a year payments toward that debt when they had a loss of last year of $29 million. When they, were paying really, out, when they were paying out $400 million a year on this stuff. I don't get it. So you had a loss of $29 million, I get it. That's nothing in the business world for, for one year. It is when you are saddled with more debt than you can handle. Yeah, I, I get that. But I mean, because your owners didn't want to use their own money to buy it. And then yeah. once they bought it, they gave you the debt to pay Jeez. off. Yeah. I, I don't Nuts. have any kids, but I feel sorry for all you parents out there because where are you going to take your kids to test out and look at new toys before? Like on mm-hmm. Amazon, you look at pictures. You can't really yeah. feel. Movie and- Bob talked about that. He actually talked about that. Yeah. He's like, this is why you should be sad. 
that this is happening. And he had a nice little bit on that. And it's that's the exact thing. It j- even if you're not buying, just going through the store and seeing everything. Dude, it's like Barnes and Nobles. You go there, you, re- you pick up a book, you read a little bit of it. Oh, you look at that book. You go to the magazine section. You go, once that's gone, what are you going to do? I, and all the people making toys, where are they going to show them off? Walmart stores have only a small cordoned off area for toys. Yeah. And they're not going to expand that in any way. So unless you have commercial leverage for television or internet, no one's going to know your toy exists. Well, the, 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 the only thing about these sort of things is the same thing when like borders uh, crashed. Also and, an and, ugly yeah. fall down too. Um, is that that actually gives a chance for small business to come in. And so without Toys R Us in your neighborhoods, small business toy stores actually stand a chance. Now, getting the capital, getting your stock, you know, you're going to have to be more selective because one of the things about the superstores is they can stock everything because who cares if something fails? They just absorb it while something else succeeds. But there are business opportunities when this sort of thing happens but boy oh boy is it tough and you know this is part of trump's america Thirty-three thousand dollars jobs put on the chopping block for this whole private equity liquidation bullshit yeah going back to your limited shelf space you think it's going to increase the cost of toys now in walmart and all those stores that have very limited no because online i would think would provide a balancing factor so Amazon is still going to be huge. America's number one toy store. Yeah, and you know what? Um, Amazon is planning on opening up physical stores, right? Yes, mm. you I know, heard that. Yeah. There, there, there's been lots of talk about that. So, you know, it might, when it's competing with itself in terms of online, it might be able to, you know, balance the market where it could survive. So we're going to get Amazon Plaza is what we're going to get. It's going to be the, yeah, the grocery, you know. Amazon Groceries, yeah. Amazon Books, Amazon Toys in mm-hmm. this store over here. Just or, one or, plaza of Amazon. Yeah, maybe it'll just be a big, it'll be like a Roman villa, you know, with the atrium in the middle. You'll just have this, ah, yes. this square <laughs> and it's just one store, you know, one length of the square is the food and then the other is the whatever and eventually you'll go to Amazon to buy your car and maybe there'll be Amazon homes and you know the you know when they buy out Lowe's and Home Depot when Amazon buys out Pornhub that's when it's going to be crazy well they're saying it's going to be the first uh, trillion dollar company yeah Jesus so Amazon they're the uh, they're the they're the uh, ancestor of Weyland Yutani (laughs) yes they are (laughs) yes they are it's your fault. Yeah, it, Amazon. That we have yeah, xenomorphs now. Yeah, it's I, Amazon Atani. <laughs> it, uh-huh. it's it's just it's just crazy. It there's always a balancing act because there is a place for brick and mortar, the 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 model of the superstore where you go to you know the one place you can go for any book, the one place you can go for any toy. That's dead because online is where you can go for any. But for people who like that physical experience, there is a place for it. Uh, we had the adjustment uh, with bookstores here in Vegas, right? The yes. used bookstores. Uh, Amber Unicorn is working hard, is struggling to, to stay. It was doing okay. And then the Trader Joe's, 
that mm-hmm. is in the same plaza closed. Oh, did it? Yes. Oh. And so Amber Unicorn actually then ran into a struggle be- simply because walk-by traffic, foot traffic. Sure. People you know? stop for groceries, stop in for a book. Right. And and so, but there's still, there are still stores up there. I discovered there's a store down Sunset from where we live that I thought had closed, but it actually is still open. I mean, it's small, yes. and it doesn't have the everything in existence selection, but they are there. So I think there is room for smaller specialty things, you know. I mean, Ralph, uh, at Alternate Reality Comics. Um, We have lost stores, because Andy has noted that on his comic book, free comic book day travels. But the, the committed retailers, the retailers that are not there just, to be, you know, I am this grid point on the map providing this product, but they're doing more with working with their customers. And it's harder work, mm-hmm. but they can survive, but it, it's just, it's, a, it's tougher. Now, one thing I noticed that Vegas doesn't really have, I have been to that one downtown, so maybe this one is like that, is a independent bookstore that focuses on new books. That I don't see much. You see that in some of the bigger cities, but right. I see that here in Vegas. I wonder about that place downtown. I haven't been to that either. That's something Andy would have to answer because yeah. he actually did. He did a bookstore article some time ago, and he he talked about that place. He went there, so <clears throat> and it was interesting. It was an interesting place from from what he described. All right. Enough of the sad news. How about some happy news? Dungeons and Dragons Yay. had its best sales year since it was acquired from TSR Incorporated by game publisher Wizards of the Coast in 1997. Imagine that. People trying to escape yes. <laughs> into, their, into their imaginary world because this world is fucked. Anyways, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, no, no nihilism here. <laughs> While the records going back to the days of TSR ownership are less accurate, Wizards is very confident that 2017 sales could top those of the brand's previous year. In any case, they've seen a, quote, unprecedented growth since the release of their fifth edition in 2014, and 8.6 million Americans have played the game in the last 12 months. Apologies for interrupting again. No, get you crazy. think Stranger Things uh, help with that? They actually met, mentioned that in the uh, streaming article. And streaming, okay. Yeah, streaming, like, critical yeah. role, yes. and all the other streaming. In fact, that was my next there. sentence. Streaming okay. has also oh, contributed a big part to the product's <laughs> growth, as nine million people have watched others play Dungeons and Dragons on Twitch. Guys, when 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 Critical Role opened up their second campaign, their first sh- Twitch stream, they had a hundred twenty thousand viewers for a D and D game. That's nuts. Yes. And they get almost, I think they actually get that same amount on their YouTube as well. It's just, it's huge. I mean, you know, they're not like a TV show, but they're, they're doing incredible numbers and, and, and they're having an impact on that just in a few short years. Critical Role has only been doing this for a couple of years. There's a Greg Tito, senior communications manager for D&D. Uh, he told Sci-Fi Wire, in 2017 alone, we had more than 7,500 unique broadcasters streaming live play D&D for more than 475 million minutes watched over the course of the entire year. It's been super, po- super popular on streaming. I think 
that is a big contributor to the surge in success of D&D and why it's so present in the public sphere. They mentioned that being played on Stranger Things, uh, the game gained uh, international release with that in 2016 as its main characters played it regularly. Uh, Tito calls the show another data point in the zeitgeist. Yeah. Uh, it also shown up on other TV programs like Big Bang Theory, The Goldbergs, Rick and Morty. Creator Dan Harmon hosts a show called Harmon Quest, which is heavily inspired by Dungeons and Dragons. And he also wrote uh, two uh, D and D episodes for Community, yeah. which were really fucking funny episodes. And the game itself was created in '74 by Gary Gygax and David Arneson. Uh, the movie based on the franchise is in the works with Ansel El- Elgort, who in, was in Baby Driver, rumored to play the lead. Mm. So yeah, it's still that 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 sentence troubles me only because you don't do Dungeons and Dragons with a lead. It's it it needs to be an ensemble movie. Yes, yeah. and right there, it, it it I mean you know it's prejudgment. You don't have all the uh, the facts in yet, but right there to me that's a stumble. Unless you make the lead the villain. Yeah, there the you go. The main villain. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. Well, because that's the only Dun- way you'd work it, yeah. Because really, D and D is about a group of people coming together, and it's not any about any single PC or any single player. And you're totally going to miss the heart of it if you if you do the 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 one player thing. That the first D and D movie that was done did that, and it you broken. Know, yeah, and well, then, for many reasons, and but then, it was broken, right? And then they had the straight to cable or straight uh, to. Wins. Video DVD second one that actually uh, was a little better in terms of script. In That's terms the of Jason Statham one, right? Uh, no, no, that no, was no, based no. on a whole different That's, franchise. Yeah, what the hell? That was Uwe Boll's. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, that I thought com- it was Dungeons that, and Dragons. No, it was no. That, that computer game franchise. Yeah, they had like three iterations. They're really big in the early aughts. Oh shit, I can't remember the name. Night something. Nope. No, uh, shit. Dungeons, some dragons, nope. something. Uh, I, can't, I can't even remember. Yeah. but that's how yeah. much that is remembered. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but no, not that one. Holy Dungeon Quest. Nope. No. 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 Keep okay. keep racking your brain. You'll get All there. Right. You'll get there. Yeah. Um. But anyway, uh. Yeah. It's it. Um. I think TV man. If they figure out, if they can figure out, and maybe not do a straight fantasy thing but figure out like a stranger things connection where you have players in the real in real life and then you have their their adventures in their D game and do some kind of tv oh. show like that if you can figure out how to do that yeah i i green light i'm, I'm yeah the you know and, and not necessarily jumanji style where they changed, maybe right. something that depicts the, the their real world, and then you see their character. World. Yeah, yeah. Then because like gamers did that. That if you get a chance, look it up on uh, online. It's called the Gamers. It's actually a really freaking hilarious uh, uh, independent short films. Uh, two of them. There's a sequel that's about people playing. Have you ever seen that? I don't think I have. Oh God, dude. It's it's short. We'll have to have to get that for you to watch one time because it, it, it's actually funny. And it's about guys playing and then they'll start playing at the table and then it shifts over to their characters and then it plays with all the cliches of D&D and stuff like that and everything is real great. I figured it out. It's called A Dungeon Siege Tale. Dungeon, Dungeon Siege. Dungeon Siege. That, that was the series. Yeah. And yeah, no. Not, yeah, it was no a, To Save the King or some fucking thing yeah. like that. Yeah. It was uh, Uwe Boll got himself a grant from... 
His movie Grant. Burt so Reynolds, Ray Liotta. I mean, Jesus, what a holy mackerel. It was the strangest fucking cast you can imagine. I'm glad no one throws money at him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That that was a that was a era of movie making, the Uwe Boll era of films. He did what Blood Rain, he, he uh, Alone in the Dark, all this stuff based on video games. He wanted to make the Postal movie. I remember that when that was a thing. But yeah, just one what bad was movie after another. What was this? He was known for um, um, un- what was it? What was this big movie? Did he have a big movie? Uh, did he really have a big movie? Like, like <laughs> Ung Bak or something? Or whatever the fuck it's called. Ung Bak? No. 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 <laughs> no. Yeah, you look wow. up the, the Uwe Boll oeuvre. Yeah. Wow, okay. you're really taking over Jeff's spot. Yeah, you're you not are. just sitting there. This is the second time you got on the phone. I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, it, it, it's it's really cool just watching how it, it's growing. Uh, the, the lots of people are playing. The, the numbers are amazing. It's too bad we don't know. The closest we get is during one interview at the height of this satanic panic. Um, somebody was interviewing uh, Gygax and commented that it must have hurt your sales. And actually, he's like, no, we were doing... They're like, oh, you were doing like 1,000 units a month? And he's like, uh, more like 10,000. Yeah. 10,000 fucking units. The, the Player's that. Handbook still routinely is in the top book sold on Amazon. Wow. When it, when it came out, it was the number one book. Not Games and Toys book wow for the day it was released it was the number one book on amazon and it still gets up there to this day so uh, it yeah it's fifth yeah, I mean, edition is definitely we, we talk about the ridiculous of the satanic panic of the 80s yeah. and and how much damage it did to, to families and mentalities Jesus. but it was so good to dungeons and dragons it yeah. was so good yeah. to it yeah it's the it's the whole married with children effect if you want something to succeed, start a protest to get it banned. And oh boy, you're going to get it. So I'd now like to announce the uh, protest to ban Geek Shock. Yes. From the internet. Hit the streets, folks. Yes. All right, I was thinking of someone else because holy shit, these are shit. <laughs> I'm saying, they're, they're, they're not a big Uwe Boll film. How did this guy get funding? Like what? It, it, there's, there's, it's, it's the way the tax laws are set up in Germany to encourage filmmaking yes. or something. Yeah, and he, he got grants from from Germany to make movies. And and, and, and if your movie them. fails or you take a bath on it, you've got protections or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm sure sure Canada has something similar. <laughs> I, I'm shrugging. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. What? All right, back to sad news. Back to sad oh, news. Oh God. Stephen Hawking. Oh yeah. Theoretical physicist, author who battled physical limitations to change the way we think about the universe, passed away at his home in Cambridge. He was 76. Born in 1942, Hawking attended Oxford, earned an undergraduate degree in physics. Went on to Cambridge to work on his PhD. It was then, in 1963, at the age of 21, when he was diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis (ALS). A disease- they gave him two years at yeah. that point, and he lived for another 50. Yeah, a disease that kills Amazing. motor neurons that allow muscle movement. Yeah, he was told only a few years to live, but his particular experience with the disease progressed more slowly. 
He was eventually confined to a wheelchair. In later years, he could only move a few small muscles voluntarily, allowing him to operate a speech device, but his extraordinary brain never stopped. Hawking once said that his goal as a scientist was, quote, a complete understanding of the universe, why it is as it is, and why it exists at all. And he applied himself to this goal, perhaps most famously through a study of black holes. Hawking discovered that black holes are not simply empty voids that erase all light. They also eventually fade away, giving off particles in the process and explode into the cosmos. After this discovery, the particles emitted by black holes became known as Hawking radiation. And Hawking's 1974 paper, Black Holes Explosions, is still considered a key moment on the path to discovery of a theory of everything that could eventually provide a singular framework for how the universe works. In 1988, Hawking published A Brief History of Time, his attempt to explain cosmology to a mainstream audience. That remains among the best-selling popular science books of all time. To the cosmos he goes. Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah, he writ. I mean, God, towards the end there, all he could only communicate with like a cheek twitch mm-hmm. and an eye movement. God, it wasn't like oh a Captain Pike, like. Oh, but, well, no, actually, no, no. the computer. It this dude. This is how amazing that was because the computer was designed. He could build sentences by using his tw- the twitch to he can construct sentences so everything you hear yeah. you know that type of that he made that fucking sentence using his cheek muscle muscle like you know singular i'm probably engaging in a bit of hyperbole but it was like that so it wasn't it wasn't the simple yes no it was just me and to imagine living like that i just i can't i can't conceive of it i think i'd have gone bonkers how the fuck did he keep his head on straight that whole time? That's amazing. He, is, he turned it out from himself to the universe. Yeah. And and he did, you know, he did some amazing thinking, too. Yes. Uh, on top of everything else. That, that, that housed one of the most amazing brains this planet has ever yeah. seen. Yeah. I watched a, a, a biography documentary on it. He was, he was uh, like a, a scamp when he was a kid, constantly getting in trouble. He actually had this challenge with his brother, uh, he was like, uh, they, they were. They challenged each other to find out how many ways can you sneak out of the house. <laughs> and he like found nine ways to sneak out of the family home, you know, using windows or grates or whatever the hell and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he was always... That marks as a scamp, sure. Yeah, you know, and his brain was just always fucking working in that, in that direction. Wow. Just, I mean, just figure things out. Amazing. God bless. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Happy news. Happy news from here on in. All right. That's the last of the sentence. Yeah, sure. All right. Although, you know, don't get in agreement with me because I will corporate pursuit your ass. <laughs> the next James Bond movie has potentially found its director in Danny Boyle. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. This is the gentleman who directed 28 Days Later, Sunshine, says a report from Metro U.S., uh, train spotting anyone while a screening for his new FX show trust the English filmmaker reportedly revealed that he will be helming bond 25 whose script is being written by his longtime collaborator John Hodge who wrote train spotting and T2 train spotting uh, which if you have not seen the sequel to train spotting and love the first one shame on you fix that immediately 
He said the start date for principal photography depends on how long it takes for the screenplay to be finished. Boyle picked up the best Oscar, uh, start, best Oscar, the best director Oscar, <laughs> which some would say is the best Oscar, I might say, at the 81st Academy Awards in 2008 for Slumdog Millionaire, which won eight awards in total. The previous two Bond films were directed by Sam Mendes. Spectre was released in 2015, became the sixth highest grossing movie of that year with nearly $900 million. Although Daniel Craig said he'd rather slit his wrists than do another Bond project, he confirmed in August that he'd be returning for what is probably his final performance as 007. Mm, he's like, I'm not doing it, going to commit suicide here. How many zeros? All right, yeah, I'm yes. going to come back for my last movie. That was a negotiation <laughs> tactic if I ever <laughs> saw one. Man, yeah. it, you know, oh, I, I really well, King of Country. Some I mean, genius would Photoshop, just do a nice video edit of Daniel Craig's face over Union, Ewan McGregor coming out of a toilet and just say, that's, that's, an, that's coming from Danny Boyle's Bond. It just... <laughs> Listen... I, I've been tired of Bond. I didn't even see Spectre. I didn't care anymore. The, the last round of Bonds were diminishing returns for me. I am on down for a Danny Boyle Bond picture. Mm-hmm. I am fully on board for this. I, yeah. I will see that the week of. I love Boyle's work. So yeah, oh, yes, I'm in. I, the first time I've been excited about a Bond movie in a long time. There you have it, folks. Happy news. And this, I have some more happy news. Ava DuVernay, whose work on A Wrinkle in Time made her the first woman of color to helm a $100 million-plus live-action film, has been signed by Warner Brothers and DC to helm an all-new feature-length adaptation of The New Gods, Jack Kirby's iconic 1970s and onward comic book franchise. Kirby's The New Gods first appeared in 1971, introducing fans to a race of immortal super beings from the twin planets of New Genesis and Apocalypse. Hailing from the realm outside the multiverse called the Fourth World, the two planets containing habitats, one hellish, one more paradise, were reflected in similarly opposing ruling styles of their leaders, High Father over New Genesis and Dark Side over Apocalypse. Uh, one part, once part of the same planet, the two worlds were split after the old gods passed away during the Ragnarok event. Kirby's version of the new gods, which now looks poised to take its place in the DC Extended Universe, <laughs> always stood apart from the rest of DC's comic book fare, mostly because Kirby fleshed out his universe so thoroughly and uniquely. But DC gave fans a recent hint that it might have something up its sleeve for the new gods after Steppenwolf, that's Darkseid's uncle, showed up as the main villain in last year's Justice League. DuVernay herself also teased interest in the new gods back in December 2017, tweeting that Big Barda was her favorite superhero in response to a fan's question. Nice! Momentum on the new project is strong, with Warner Brothers reportedly looking to, quote, quickly set up a screenwriter who will craft the narrative and work closely with DuVernay, unquote. Okay, we knew Darkseid was heading to the DC. It's mm-hmm. it hinted at in Batman v Superman, not even hinted at, it was clobbered at us with it, with that yeah. flashback. And then, of course, with Steppenwolf, it's like, okay, they're obviously working up to Darkseid. But I didn't think they'd take it as far as New Gods. Yeah. That's kind of blows my mind. I don't know what 
to think about maybe, this particular news. Maybe maybe the, the the rumored going away from the dark side plot, the New Gods movie is like, well, if we're not going to do that, then we'll just go in that direction. That way you can have your dark side and eat New Genesis yeah. too. There you go. I mean, you're looking at, at Ragnarok... Uh, especially, and just you, Kirby was all over that fucking thing. Although most people don't, you know. Now most Thor people, Ragnarok. Yes. Okay. And and so it's maybe DC's like, hey, we've got a Kirby property too, and and this, and boy oh boy, if you exploit it visually, wow. There's nothing. I mean, let's face it. Thor has a lot of Kirby. I'm talking the comic. Fantastic Four. Kirby, you see yeah, Kirby yeah, yeah, prints yeah, all over yeah, it, but you do not see Kirby prints more than you see the new gods. Mm-hmm. That is Kirby at his most at, at his most Kirby. Yeah, eleven out of ten Kirby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. He it, it that I mean it could be it could be hella fun. It could be really hella fun. Uh, uh, Miracle Man, mm-hmm. yeah. Scott Free. That's Big Barda's uh, hubby. Side note. Um, Stephanie's Barbarian in our D&D game used the big bar to hero clicks. Perfect. So for, yeah. for Matt's character, <laughs> I dug down deep and rem- remember hero clicks did some historical horror type things? Yes, they did. And I pulled out my Vlad the Impaler, which has Vlad <laughs> Tepish sticking a guy on a spear and lifting him up. And I'm like, this will be perfect for you, Matt. And he's <laughs> Damn right. I love that model. <laughs> oh. It was funny. So, of, of course, you know, uh, Batgirl was pretty much set to go, too, and that just fizzled apart. So, you know, hopefully this will take it all the way. Either that or, as somebody cleverly said on the Internet, it's just a clever ploy to get some hostages out of Iran. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's a... Uh, that's pretty stellar. That's 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 a deep, if you don't know what we were talking about, see Argo. Okay. Yep. And in other director comic book news, Spike Lee. Spike Lee is preparing to helm Nightwatch, a film based on the Marvel Comics character of the same name. Luke Cage showrunner Chiu at Hadori Coker is reportedly scripting the film, which will be set in Sony Pictures' budding shared universe of supporting Spider-Man characters that already include the upcoming Venom and Silver and Black films, as well as the developing Morbius the Living Vampire project. Mm. Introduced in 1993 in Web of Spider-Man number 97, Nightwatch is a man named Dr. Kevin Trench, who one day witnesses a fight between a group of terrorists and a costumed figure. When the costume hero ends up dead, Trench investigates the corpse and discovers that a future version of himself is wearing the high-tech super suit. Ah. At first, he attempts to hide both himself and the costume away, hoping to cheat death by simply refusing to put his future self in such a situation. Eventually, he embraces his fate as a costumed hero, and Nightwatch is born. Uh, those are the bullet points of the origin story. I've never fucking heard of this. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's 93. It's this... It's a tumultuous time in comics. Nineties were not were not good to Marvel. Yeah, uh, and the, but of course, Nightwatch's comic history includes everything from nanotechnology to time travel, as Marvel will do, and space stations. And... But that's Nightwatch, and Spike Lee is circling that project. Wow! So uh, good on you, Sony. All right, finding that director cachet, especially post Black Panther. 
Oh, yeah. Did you see that picture? Somebody did a cosplay. Oh, my God. The Pink Panther? The Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, in all black? Yeah, dude. It is It is it's, extraordinary. It's brilliant. It is. It is. Have you seen it, man? I have not. It's, it's the Pink Panther right now. Just you know, color them all black and then do the detailing, the highlight detailing in the pink and then give them like the claw necklace in it. Looks frigging amazing, and it looks per- it looks like the cartoon come to life. It's it's actually it's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll try to put it up as the pre-pick posts that I do before the show. So the so, pre-pick posts. That's right. Uh, oh, the triple P's for the podcast. Call them. Three pictures to Three wet pictures. your whistle. Oh, ooh, yeah. Mostly they're just me crotched down, but that's that's. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Sci-fi series adaptation of George R.R. R. Martin's science fiction horror novella Night Flyers has replaced its showrunner. Original Night Flyers showrunner Daniel Cerrone, who was a showrunner for The Blacklist, has stepped away from helming the project's pilot episode, handing the reins over to scriptwriter Jeff Bueller, who's also signed on the project as an executive producer. Bueller. That's the one. Bueller. That's the one. Cerrone has left the show owing to creative differences. Imagine that. Bueller. Bueller. But remains with Universal Cable Productions to develop other genre programming. Bueller, uh, who I believe wrote Jacob's Ladder, and I think he wrote Ghost, if I remember right. Ooh. uh, Has long been attached to the project, uh, having already penned the TV adaptation of Martin's 1980 novella for the first run of ten episodes. Uh, Martin's original story focuses on a group of scientists, as well as a lone telepath, who launched their spacecraft on a search to make contact with the, al- with the alien Volkrin. But mission begins to take a backseat to the strange occurrences that unfold on the Night Flyer as the deep space mystery surrounding onboard deaths, as well as other more telepathically resonant phenomena, starts to take its toll on the crew's relationship and morale. Uh, Night Flyers is being shot in Ireland with Martin's Blessing. No word yet on when the show will make its debut. Netflix is co-producing Night Flyers, one of sci-fi's most cost-intensive productions to date, and holds first-run rights for the show outside of the U.S. Uh, Robert Jaffe... God damn it. (laughs) Well, they're putting those billions to use. They're going in heavy debt for this stuff before they get bought out by some uh, multi... Investment Corporation. Bain Corporation, yeah. 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 I must get Netflix now. <laughs> I will have it all soon. I will have Hulu. And I will beat the Disney juggernaut. I will break Disney's back. <laughs> yeah. Robert Jaffe directed the film adaptation of Night Flyers back in 1987. Bravo, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was born with all the money. You were simply... <laughs> what is it? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, this, this makes me so happy. I'm a huge fan of Duolingo. If you don't know what Duolingo is, it's a free app. You can download it for your phone, tablet, whatnot. And it's a language learning app. And it started off with a few languages, like four or five. Now they have... I would say all the languages, but a lot of them. <laughs> all the languages. I mean, you can learn asper- uh, Esperanto if you so desire on there now. Were you going to say asparagus? I was going to say asparagus. <laughs> you, can learn, you can learn asparagus. Uh, asparagus. Uh, I mean, if they're worth talking to. I, I would rather go for an artichoke, but asparagus is fine. Although, once you start speaking it, your pee smells funny. No, this is true. Jesus, I didn't think about that. 
The Klingon language. Of course. Has been around for decades. Klingon dictionaries and opera, even the Klingon language institute itself. Not an easy language to learn, but Duolingo. <laughs> Online resource, mobile application. The program is branching out with a new course teaching users Klingon. With Much. With a help of a few experts, Duolingo put together a course that will help you learn the alphabet, common phrases, verbs, and basically everything you need to know in order to communicate in Klingon using an interactive approach. It's basically based up language games when it comes down to it. Uh, so if you're looking to practice your Klingon skills with a fellow human and live in the Midwest, Duolingo is hopes, hosting a meetup in Chicago on March 22nd. All right. Who are the experts? Like Kor, Koloth, and Yes, well, you got to go to the source, right? <laughs> like, okay. All right. Oh. So I wish you kapla in your your new endeavors. <laughs> uh, this this is this is I don't even know what this is really when it comes down to it, but it's so weird I can't not put it in the news. Atari is gearing up to release their first gaming system since 1993. Mm. The new quote gaming and entertainment platform will be called the Atari VCS, which is basically what it was kind of called. Well, I guess it was called that post-launch. It was the Atari video computer system, I think it was back what it was called back then. Was it? Yeah. Uh, which will replace the previously announced name of Atari Box. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like that, the, the first name, though, the yeah. Atari Box. I like that. Uh, the new system will use both the classic Atari joystick and a modern controller. The new console debuted at the Game Developers Conference in San Francisco, and according to Collider, they are looking to reveal a pre-order date next month. The plan for the VCS is to deliver the system's classic content as well as being, quote, a completely new Atari-connected device designed for today's living room, unquote. What they mean by that? I have no friggin' clue. The, will new games be produced or will it just be a mechanism that plays old ones? If, if it's a full entertainment system, will they do streaming or, or download? Will they have Netflix apps? I don't know. They sold me with their classic gaming. I'll just get it for that. I, I'm sure it's going to have that kind of hole, that, that console yeah. box, but it can't be just that. That's available. That Those flashback consoles are out there. And they come with the, the classic controllers and the 70 games already built in. It's all in the controller, isn't it, for the, the, the Atari Classic, right? Uh, there's, some, there's some that were. Yeah, you, you just get the controller. And, they're, they're, and, and, and the whole fucking thing is in there because that's where the technology is now. Yeah. But this one, it, I saw a picture of it. It's a very sleek, thin design. It has a, a throwback to the look with that kind of like fake wood front. Excellent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but again, I don't even know what this thing is. It's it's the Atari box. It's the Atari VCS. Uh, when I know more, uh, you'll know more. Fun. So, you all right there, man? Yeah, I'm good. You sure? Yeah. Did that miniature implosion? Yeah. No, go ahead. Okay. I guess we're boring. Oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Reuters has acquired internal documents about Amazon's business strategy regarding its Amazon Prime video streaming platform, where the online retailer has debuted original content like The Man in the High Castle and where the untitled Middle Earth Project, the prequel set before the time of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, will eventually make its debut. In these documents, 
It stated that Amazon paid $250 million for the rights for author J.R.R. Tolkien's source material alone and may spend well more than $500 million or more over two seasons with, wow. with production and marketing factored in. So you compare that to Peter Jackson's original film trilogy, which cost $281 million to make from start to finish from 97 to 2003. And you can also contrast what Amazon proposes to spend on The Lord of the Rings with what it spent on the first season of The Man in the High Castle, its sci-fi series based on the Philip K. Dick novel. That cost $72 million to make. You're going to tell me they're going to increase their prime uh, membership cost, right? I... Uh, and with, with news of we're going to be the first trillion dollar company in history, and you're going to tell me that they're going to increase. Fuck this. <laughs> well, there goes one of my streaming services. Fuck you. You know, that's nowhere near in here. <laughs> oh, it's not? No, you not just, at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, well, at least it woke but, him up. But I'm, yeah, I'm glad to. He's all energetic now. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the internal memos. And we're going to increase prices. Hey, fuck you. What do you think? Both say, oh, oh, great. I need another yacht. How oh, do you feel about oh, that, man? Oh, now, you can't see it, but he turned a little red during that. He was in there. He was working oh. it. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> that's, that's all right. <laughs> so the $72 million to make Man in the High Castle, according to the documents, attracted a viewership of around $800 million while pulling in 1.15 million new subscribers on its own. Second season cost around $107 million. That's what it's all about for Amazon. If a show doesn't help boost subscriptions to Amazon Prime, they could be headed back to the chopping block. Those 1.15 million new Prime members are what Amazon gauges the success of the Man in the High Castle. Although not clear how many of those subscribers stay with Prime for long after watching the show. Well, you you get a few things off of Amazon and you're like, ah, this Amazon's not so bad. Sure. You luck out and you get that because I think they usually offer like a one day discount, don't they? Where it's flash, like flash, flash thing. Yeah, they'll, they'll do a today only. Yeah, renew your out. prime for seventy bucks instead of ninety nine. You know, and uh, yeah, sure. And and that is one thing they do. They do offer the prime streaming for a monthly, but if you get the Amazon Prime itself, it's a yearly thing, so you get it for the year yeah. for that one price. Yeah, that's so that's how I you, do mine. So you pay it and forget about it for the year. So it's always there, so that's that keeps people around, too. Filmmaker Kevin Williamson has signed a new agreement with Miramax to create new genre films. Williamson's deal will specifically find him developing <gasps> elevated genre film content, quote-unquote, this is the first deal that Miramax has made since it's launched anew under the leadership of Bill Block. Williamson, no stranger to Miramax. The Scream franchise uh, were made there under the old Dimension brand. His status in the horror genre was solidified when he went on to write I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yes, this is the guy that created Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer. That whole slew of bringing... Horror genre back in the 90s is his fault. Of course, it's his fault that it got that whole uh, self-reverential campiness to it, too, that either you liked or didn't. This next one, I'm, I'm, I'm straightening up. Get ready, Matt. Shout Factory. Already you know, it's Shout Factory. Shout Factory is always good news because Shout Factory takes care of its 
its IP or any licenses that it buys. It puts out the biggest and best DVDs of old films. It brought us back Mystery Science Theater. Shout Factory, the media company behind Mystery Science Theater 3000 reboot on Netflix, has picked up the rights to a ton of Roger Corman movies. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. At 91 years old, Corman is a living Hollywood legend, famous for his sci-fi and horror B-movies of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. From It Conquered the World in 1956 to Not of This Earth in 1957 to Death Sport and Piranha in 1978, the director, producer, actor gained the nickname King of the Bees for helping shape the genre that still endures today. According to an official release from Shout!, the company has purchased the rights to over 270 out of Corman's more than 360 films for an unknown amount of money. Now, these can be turned into remakes, reboots, TV shows, merchandising, or simply mystery science theater fodder. Among the titles bought are Rock and Roll High School, Battle Beyond the Stars, mm. Piranha, Galaxy of Terror, Blood Fist, Black Scorpion, Eat My Dust, exclamation point humanoids from the deep slumber party massacre in forbidden world quote we have been huge fans of the Cormans. their great ingenuity and independent spirit have inspired us throughout our careers we've loved working with them over the last eight years and are thrilled to now be custodians of these beloved films making sure that film buffs and fans everywhere discover them like we did unquote stated shout factories founders in a joint statement now, if you're not familiar, Corman started the careers of many people. Mm. He helped a ton of actors and directors get their big breaks in Hollywood, like Jack Nicholson, Peter Fonda, Bruce Dern, Charles Bronson, Dennis Hopper, Talia Shire, uh, Sandra Bullock, Robert De Niro, David Carradine, Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, Joe Dante, John Sayles, and the one and only James Cameron. Wow. Yep. Yeah. In fact, James Cameron's first movie was the sequel to Piranha Piranha 2, which is horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. But he wouldn't have gotten that break without Corman. Yeah. And there are tons of people that are not even big names. Uh, my favorite Corman movie, Death Race 2000, I believe the, uh, the DP on that was Tak Fujimoto, who's, a, if, if I'm remembering right, is now an Oscar winning. Uh, cinematographer. Oh. So if I'm if I'm remembering right, I'll do it. Oh, you going in? I'll do it. You're, Matt. Going, you're going in for the research. Don't, you don't don't worry yourself. <laughs> it's okay. Now, okay. of course, if you grew up with Mystery Science Theater like I did, you're well familiar with Roger Corman films. They roast to his about his movies about one every five. Oof. So. But uh, Little Shop of Horrors, that was one of his. Fantastic Four. Fan yes, the the unreleased Fantastic Four film, which, according to many, is still the best Fantastic Four movie ever made. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but uh, just alone knowing that Shout Factory is probably going to start releasing Fantastic Blu-ray editions of these Corman classics with proper features and commentary... I really couldn't be happier. Even if they just throw it into Mystery Science Theater, I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Either way, is 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 just love. And speaking of love, <laughs> <laughs> I'm segueing like a motherfucker. 
Uh, you're, you're feeling it tonight. Construction on the Lucas Museum of Narrative Arts has begun. The $1.5 billion, 100% Lucas-funded museum is the largest public gift ever given to a municipality. When the museum opens in 2021, it'll put all of Lucas's personal collection on display, which includes art from every medium. Film history will be represented with artifacts from the movie Metropolis and Citizen Kane, joining Luke Skywalker's first lightsaber and Darth Vader's helmet, while other leaders of form have their work displayed, including Charles Schwartz's... Uh, Shorts. Must be that time. Yeah, it's that time. Hour and a half. We're about there. <laughs> including Charles Schultz's Peanuts comic strips and Norman Rockwell's paintings. Quote, the idea is that popular art, it's art that appeals to people emotionally and tells you something about who you are, Lucas said of his collection. The museum plans on offering storytelling and history programs for kids, bringing innovation to education in a way that continues the goals of the Lucasfilm founders, George Lucas Educational Foundation. So the massive Lucas Museum has officially broken ground. It's uh, I didn't really report much on that when it was first announced because it was still kind of nebulous as to where it's going to happen and if. And But yeah, it's nowhere and if anymore. It's breaking ground, just like the... Damn Raider Stadium here in Las Vegas. Yep. Damn tax sink. Yep. I'm sorry. That was a weird segue. Yep. Uh, a quick side note. Uh, I'm actually totally wrong. Tak Fujimoto is actually recognized as one of the best cinematographers who's never even been nominated. Oh. So, fuck me. So, he never worked on the Corman film? I know he did. He oh, worked okay, on Corman okay. films. He was a camera operator uh, for like the second unit for Star Wars. He uh, was the cinema. One of the things where people actually complain about him not getting nominated, he was the DP for Silence of the Lamb. He was actually cinematographer for Demi on a couple of his movies. Oh, wow. So he wow. he actually, no, he's he is good. He's wrecking. I mean, this article I quickly read says he's one of, one of, He's there with Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins just won for Blade Runner, and he had been nominated 14 times and never won. And it was recognized as in that category of, you know, never, never having won. But he apparently was never even nominated. Oh, wow. So, but yeah, he, uh, yeah. Great well, as they say, it doesn't matter if you're nominated as long as you're a working man in Hollywood. Yeah, well, he's definitely working, so... Legendary Entertainment has secured the rights for a film based on the non-player comic series from Nate Simpson. Anybody read non-player? Not familiar with it. I have not, no. Uh, Writer Eric Pearson, he wrote uh, Thor Ragnarok and Agent Carter. He's on board to write the film based on Image Comics' non-player, which was first released in 2011. Non-player follows the story of Dana Stevens, a girl who lives as an assassin within a full immersion online game, allowing her to escape her mundane life as a tamale delivery girl. But when Dana's game begins to blend in with her real life, she has to find a way to become more like her virtual self in a story that, according to Deadline, is said to be in the vein of Guardians of the Galaxy meets The Matrix, unquote. Oof. Non-Player 1 was released in 2011, with number 2 coming four years later in 2015. That's a big jump between number 1 and number 2. That's, that's four years in between two comics. Okay. Uh, Simpson, has also, <laughs> oh, Simpson has also mentioned a number 3 is in the works. So, All right. So I guess we're one more year away for the four-year. Yeah. Yay. Oh. 
Now, okay, so non-player girl lives as an assassin within the immersion game to escape her mundane life, but then it bleeds into her actual life. Isn't this Cloak and Dagger? Shh. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, but that that kid... Henry Thomas's Cloak and Dagger? He... He kind of fantasizes, though, isn't it? Kind yeah, of... but it bleeds into re- real life. Uh, Spy intrigue enters his life, and uh, friends are being killed left and right. I think and... you're. I think you're stretching. I there. don't think so at all. I think I'm spot on. Wow, I think I'm spot on. <laughs> Jack Black. This is. This should be called Jack Flack. Jack Flack the movie. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna read the first two comics around. I'm gonna find out how close I there am. There you go. <laughs> I won't know how you it only, ends you only because got, the third one's not out yet. Yeah, you got a year, so you <laughs> wow. better get on that. Actually, with my reading timeline and backlog, it's perfect. It yeah. is perfect. You got excited on that one. I guess this next one's gonna piss me off. Firefly canonical. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Firefly canonical novels will begin hitting shelves later this year. The new series of Firefly... Firefly... <laughs> yep. Fire for food for yeah, one hour, for 40 fire. minutes. Fire. Yep, here we are. Hey, Andy, you back? Uh, <laughs> I want you all feeling homesick, monkeys. The new series of Firefly universe novels are coming from Titan Books and 20th Century Fox Consumer Products. That's a great name. With Joss Whedon signed on as consulting editor... The tie-in books, quote, will explore a different avenue of the original series, universe, and history, unquote, all within official canon. So, moving forward, this is the story of Firefly. The first three titles announced will each be penned by a New York Times bestselling author and focus on an original character. Firefly, Big Damn Hero, comes out October 2018 by Nancy Holder, will follow Captain Malcolm Reynolds after he is kidnapped. Firefly, The Magnificent Nine, comes out March 2019 by James Lovegrove, follows Jane after he he receives a distress call, and Firefly Generations, October 2019 by Tim Levin. Oh, I love Tim Levin. He does good work. He's the one that did those uh, canonical alien novels that I raved about a year or two ago. Uh, Levin follows uh, River Tam after an important discovery. Well, that's goddamn Wow! An important discovery. Well... No one follows the poor. No one follows Wash. Like, come on. Can't can't can you can you follow Wash? These aren't p- prequels, buddy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. shit. <laughs> You're right. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, I'll shut up. Yeah, you can right. follow Wash if you want, but I don't know. That'd be pretty good. Stephen King will write the stories of Zombie Wash. Maybe maybe that's River Tam's important discovery. Wash's corpse. Yeah, forgot about that. Shit. <laughs> Josh, yeah. Josh Whedon's short run. Poor guy. Poor guy. <laughs> Nobody's doing watch. I don't understand. <laughs> poor, poor guy. What a bunch of mean people. <laughs> Matt, I absolutely love what you contributed to the show. I, <laughs> I forgot about that. I love it. <laughs> His biggest fan. Where the fuck is watch? I forgot about that. Shit. <laughs> Whedon's short-run cult TV series Firefly, starring Nathan Fillion as Malcolm Reynolds, captain of the Serenity spaceship, aired only 14 episodes from 2002 to 2003. But since its abrupt cancellation, the fervor for more Firefly-related contents only increased. 
In 2005, there was a follow-up film, Serenity. You might have heard about it. It's the one where Watch dies. Yes, yes, I get it. <laughs> Which provided more closure after the cancellation of the crew took on the savage race of Reavers. Well, no closure for Matt. The apparently. Reavers, who killed Wash. There are also there's also been several comic book series which told stories of the characters both before and during their time on the ship. Most recently, being a six issue series from Dark Horse Comics called No Power in the Verse, which was released in 2017, followed the crew of the Serenity as they embark on a rescue mission on the outer rim without Wash. It's uncertain <laughs> exactly where the new novels will fall within the canon. Firefly, big damn hero, available this October. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's your wash? Write to us. Comments at UglyCowShow.com. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. Commander K. Nacho next week, Matt. <laughs> Maple Leaf Matt. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week in Geek. I won't. <laughs> wow. It's, uh, I so like when the video games come with the toys. You're just... So you're so dispirited, you're just not going to show up next week, huh? Did you get the, the he's just pip? Mo- he's morning wash. Oh. Yes. Did you get the uh, pip with your Fallout 4? I did, and I tried so hard to get that version. They sold out so fast. Uh, I will say this version of... This is not the only toy that came with it. It came with a Johnny Gat statue, okay, uh, which is one of the protagonists that died in Part 3, but beloved. And it also came with a panic button which you have to open up the top flip the switch and then hit the red button and when you do that exact same sound that you just heard from that gun plays off that panic button it's glorious absolutely glorious no if you just want a fun good time saints row 4 it's it's it was on super sale on playstation 4 this last week like 10 bucks for the whole shebang so best 10 bucks i've spent in a while um, definitely more than the, the, I'm not going to spend 10 bucks on Warhammer I'm just saying that right now you son of a I have Tau to kill oh I have many many Tau to kill oh okay yeah big robot have, to take down I have two armies Kay you can play the other one I was I was just gonna watch you two go at it and Kay's still gonna be there going I don't I don't think that don't you don't you're gonna use that gun gonna, don't you forget to use that gun he's gonna be that guy I'm gonna be that guy. I'm gonna be like, you can do that. You can do that. I'm actually. I'm gonna be. Oh damn, Matt. Oh damn, Matt. Oh Matt. He did that. Oh Matt. As your your big fucking hero that you've got there is just gonna. And I promise I won't shoot that guy on the left. You have my promise that. Oh yeah. You and he can stay there rent free. Oh. For for the next three turns. Uh, okay. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay. For the next turn, maybe. Hey, hey, Kay, I'm targeting him first. Yeah. First. Yeah. Yeah.